And now we wait. And now we wait. Uh, no, we don't actually have to sit around and wait. Good evening, everybody. Uh, podcast listeners, right off the bat. Uh, been a busy week over here at uh, Scouting Headquarters. Two videos are out. Uh, the first two Scouting reports are out. Uh, we did Yuri Kulik to start, and Philip Mashar is out as well. Um, there's one more out for uh, for patrons right now. Uh, there's a second one on the way shortly. Uh, well, by that, I mean the fourth one. Two more were sent over yesterday. Uh, should be done sometime next week. Um, so we're already up to six, and then there's two more I think I'll be able to film this weekend, hopefully, if not early next week. Uh, and then we'll get those out to you as soon as we can. Um, but for podcast listeners as well, uh, the list of players tracked last week, or over the last seven days, I should, I should say, is, uh, what, well, one second? We'll start with Lane Hudson, of course, uh, superstar Lane Hudson. Uh, Elias Pettersson, not that one, uh, the other one. Um, a, a different lane, a, a different, a different Elias Pettersson, Christian Cairo, uh, Kevin Korchinski, Garrett Brown, a player I've been meaning to go back on for a while. Uh, Julian Lutz, interesting one. Uh, Seamus Casey, uh, Jakob Norin, uh, Alexis Gendron, one of my personal favorites. Uh, Joachim Kamel, uh, Paul Ludwinski, Ryan Healy, and of course the one and only Adam Shakora last. Um, if you're really interested, I dropped Christian Cairo a teeny bit, dropped Julian Lutz a teeny bit, dropped Seamus Casey three spots, which is pretty big for him considering where he was, uh, dropped Alexis Gendron a spot, which whatever, uh, and Joachim Kamel, I dropped a spot, which is a bigger deal. Uh, and Paul Ludwinski dropped three spots and I put Ryan Healy on my watch list after watching him play another game. Um, okie dokie. Uh... <laughs> For, okay first question of the night is have i seen sam cosentino's list yes i have uh and i'll leave it at that um <laughs> it's a it's a it's a ride it's a it's a it's a theme park ride uh thoughts on the u18 team canada roster yeah i mean so team canada every year uh at the world under 18s is always tough because they have so many guys that are still uh playing or not professional playoff hockey in the Canadian Hockey League. So they lose a lot of access to some really, really good players. And the States has a team that's played together all year and other teams and leagues and stuff are done. Um, but I look at uh, the, the Canadian team. I've got them pulled up here. I mean, I think it's an interesting group. I, I think that they'll compete for sure. Like they're not a non-competitive team. I just feel like I look at this team and I go, yeah... I think I go like the, the star power is strongest of anyone. I think um, Connor Bedard and Adam Fantilli. Adam Fantilli, like I could talk about him all day. Um, you know, T Tanner Howe is also an interesting ad for next year's draft. Matthew Wood will be curious to see what he can do. Um, Lucas Dragicevich is, is another guy I've seen a little bit of, but but not enough to give you a really detailed look. But the star power is there for Canada. I just think there's more depth with other teams. Like Sweden, I think, has better depth, especially on defense um, and up front, to be honest. But they don't have the star power. The States is just, they've, they're a wagon. They've been playing together all year. Most international competitions, they score and score and score. Um, but they don't usually play against Conor Bedard, so we'll see how that goes for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Canada's going to have a competitive team. I think it's going to be a close tournament, but I think I still think that the States are a team that might be able to, to pull it off. But, uh, for more specifics, uh, yeah, cause you asked, could you give a little scouting report on the players to give an eye, keep, keep your eyes out for 
I mean, what I'll say is the guys that I'm really curious to see at these tournaments, right? Like, this this is kind of these international tournaments. It's not to say, oh, like, I can see if these guys are good or bad, right? It's not that. It's more that certain guys are being elevated to a, a role that is a step ahead of where they're at, right? Like, what happens when they take a brief step up? Uh, uh, oh, Luke, thank you very much. I'll get your question uh, after this one. Um, but thank you. Um, but yeah, it's it's like a step up in quality of play um, in terms of in terms of intensity and, and and what the stakes are. So guys that I'm really interested to see at this level is Michael Master Domenico on D. I, I I have a soft spot for him for the most of this year. Like I've liked him, the games I've tracked, the games I've seen him. He's kind of rangy. He's got a nice shot from the point. Um, I'm curious to see what he can do at this level. Uh, Owen Pickering, of course. I mean, we all know Owen Pickering. Like, I feel like he's going to be the guy Canada really leans on in this tournament. I don't know who else it would be. Maybe Spencer Sova as well. Sova and Seatman are guys, those skating defensemen, those skate-first defensemen that I think are worth looking at. Like, I, I, both of these guys are right at the tail end of my list. And and they both skate really well, but that's kind of where the, the their, their, their trademarks in their game kind of stop. Um, so, I mean, I, I like both of those players. I think they both should get drafted. Iran, interestingly, they're both from Windsor. Um, but yeah, those are two other guys who at this level I'm curious to watch. The rest of them, I have, I have nothing in my mind about them. Kalen Parker, Matthew Morden, uh, Nolan Collins. I haven't seen those guys, uh, or at least I'm not familiar enough to, to tell you uh, what's up. Um... Up, up front, Kokadelic is one that I like. I've been interested in him the last little while. Um, I'll be interested to see what he can do at this level. Josh Philmon, I have been told very good things about him, but I, I see a bit of a limited player, but he's on my watch list. I'll be curious what he can do. Panophimus, I have not been a fan this year, but who knows. Um, not too concerned with David Goyette at all. Uh, it'll be, he'll be a, an interesting player. Nicholas Moldenauer is one that I'll be interested to see in this tournament. Same thing with Riga Lorenz. I mean, I've seen a lot of Riga Lorenz because people keep asking me about him. And, and you know, I have him ranked now. Um, but I still think that playing in the AJHL is a really huge benefit um, that really boosts a guy like his profile in terms of production. Uh, Moldenauer, I like how he thinks the game. I like how he moves pucks. So that'll be interesting to see how it goes. Matthew Ward could be a lot of fun. Um, I mean, Matthew Ward will probably have a couple of gifts pop up on, on Twitter here and there just because of the skill level that he's got. Um, Braden Sherman, I know he scores a lot for a really awful team, but I haven't been really blown away with his his, his play in, in Victoria. So, like, for me, the guys that I'll be watching are Master Domenico, Seatman, Sova, uh, Delic, Philman, uh, Philmon, I should say, Lorenz, and Moldenauer, and Matthew Ward. So that's seven guys that I'd, I'd have my eye on. Um, anything else is a bonus. Like if 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 Nolan Collins comes and blows my mind, I think he's a 2020 2022 eligible. Yeah, like if Nolan if Nolan Collins comes along and blows my mind, then I'll go back and, and check him out. But um, those are the guys that I think I'll have my eye on closest. Uh, Luke with a super chat. Thank you again. Uh, when it comes to top talent that comes out of later rounds, what percent of the time is that due to poor scouting as opposed to late-blooming talent that simply isn't projectable at the time? It's a great question. Um, so, over the years, I think I've gotten a lot more stringent with sort of who I get really excited about. Um, I, I like to set my bar low and let guys sort of jump over it. Uh, or I, I like to set my bar high and sort of sort of 
see who who meets it literally the opposite of what i had just said so scratch that from the record uh, my my transcriber somewhere anyway um so it's interesting so i think there have been many studies done that show that in the seventh round teams are more accurate than previous rounds um i think that for starters, it's extremely hard to make the NHL and stay there for multiple years, right? Like it's just a really hard league to play in. I do think that I do think that when it comes to the top talent that comes out of later rounds, I think that that's rarer and rarer as time goes on. Um, I, I, not many players go in the seventh round in the at least since I've really paid attention to the draft over the last five years, I'd say. Not many guys in the seventh round are like, how the hell was this guy available in the seventh round? Um, that Those days, I think, are kind of over. It, the only times where it kind of happens is when there are extraneous circumstances. Like, the last one I remember is, like, Alex Poshin going in the seventh round, who I love. Um, but I understand why he went that late. Uh, so, I do, I do think, I certainly think that poor scouting you can identify who is not putting themselves in the best position to succeed but that starts way earlier than the seventh round that's just like a structural problem rather than like than a than a selection problem that i i I think the biggest problem is uh like I, i think that poor scouting exists and just poor a poor a poor i shouldn't say poor scouting because it's not like there are not these guys out there scouting and doing the work but it i think that the the way that things are weighed in terms of positives and negatives and you know a lot of teams will just draft big dudes in the seventh round or or long shot prospects that just aren't producing very well but again like i i watch hundreds of players for a given draft year over the course of the year and for the last two drafts, once the draft gets to like the fifth round, I would say there's nobody left where I'm going, this is unbelievable that this player is still available. Like Dylan Duke was the last one in 2021 where I'm going, how is this guy not drafted? And I think that Dylan Duke at that point, beyond that, like there's no one where I'm thinking this is just a massive, massive, massive steal uh, if a team picks him. So... I think I think it's mostly that at that point you really got to team teams are just a lot of teams will take just a guy they like, right? Like just some guy who they're familiar with. He's a teammate of a guy they've already drafted or someone who coached for the team now coaches them in junior or in college and they the coach loves the kid so they draft the kid. You know, that that seems to be a lot of what happens, whereas my strategy, and I think some teams do this as well, they'll just sort of go, no, like, let's draft a guy that, you know, through it all just really, really sticks out and we like and get get along with and think it would be good to add them. But again, late round picks are often a bit of a crapshoot anyway. Um, you know, the, 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 the possibilities of development are so vast and wildly different that it's really hard to, to figure that out, but... It's also hard to say unless you're sitting in the late rounds of a draft as well. Um, but very good question. Uh, <clears throat> okay. Who are a few European players you'd love to see thrive in the CHL? Uh, mm. Noah Osland is one for sure. I think I'd like to see it in, in the CHL, but I do not think that's going to happen. Uh, Brad Lambert with Saskatoon would have been a ton of fun this year. Um, 
I would like to see Simon Nemich in a North American setting as well. That would have been fun. Um, but to go a little off the board, uh, Elias Salomonson in the CHL this year would have been fun. I mean, I last year, relative to this year, it's almost like two different hockey players, which is bizarre. Um, but Salomonson in the CHL would have been a very interesting experiment, especially based on how he plays now, because I feel like he'd be pretty effective. Um... Those are those are some those are some off right off the top of my head that I can think of. Uh, who else is on my list here? Matthias Hovlid and Philip Bestead, the Link Shoping guys. That would be a lot of fun as well. Um, I'd be I'd be curious about those guys coming over and playing some playing some puck in Canada. But of course, closest to my heart, Brad Lambert's the biggest one. Yurichek uh, or Power? Oh, I'm going Owen Power on that one. I mean. I really like David Juracek. I I had my con concerns about Owen Power last year, but I think Owen Power's ability to transport pucks up the ice and create offensively is is a step ahead of where Juracek is right now. Juracek is definitely they sh they they show similar defensive issues, but I think Juracek has better backwards mobility and and closes out gaps quicker and gets more physical than Power does, but I don't know. I, I think Power's offensive upside is is higher, and I I probably lean Owen Power on that. Uh, thoughts on Lekaramaki and Osland? Marosnyshenko maybe a second round target for the Wings. Uh, heard anything health wise? Uh, I have not heard anything health wise. I don't know. I feel like that's something that they're going to keep extremely private uh, until until further notice. So I have no comment on that. Um, but with Lekaramaki and Osland, uh, so. I'm not as high on Lakaramaki as a lot of other people. I've got him at 21 on my list. I've got Osland at 20. Osland it might be one of the... Someone asked about Brad Lambert being one of the biggest boomer bust guys. Uh, I think Noah Osland is one of those too. Like Noah Osland's ceiling I think is as high as almost anyone in the draft with how he thinks and how he his hands work and you know the, the, the skill level that he flashes and, and the quickness on his feet that he can show. But... It doesn't come out nearly often enough to move the needle at 5-on-5 five five in my work that I've seen him, uh, and I've done a lot of games of him. I think he's had one good game out of the four I've done, I think. Lakaramaki, uh, I'm also skeptical on him. I've seen a lot of guys like him come along over the years who are just shooters first and foremost. Like, there's not much of a transition game from Lakaramaki going either direction. Even when there is one, he's not super efficient. Um... You know, not really driving a whole lot of projectable offense, just kind of a catch and release shooter from all over the offensive zone. Um, you know, he's—it's almost like he's like an Alexander Holtz, but not as not as mobile uh, and not as you know not as much of an offensive rush shooting threat. Like he's a great stationary laser cannon, but and and I feel like on a power play, he's just going to score goals, which great. Um, but as a, as an all around player, like I see him in the top 10 in some places, top 15, and I just don't think he's enough of a play driver to, to, to warrant that high a listing. But if what you're looking is for goals, then he might be there. Um, just, I think that there's more to the game and, and he's going to need auxiliary help to get him to that point. But I like him. I, I like him all, all as much, you know, so, so, so probably I'll go probably. But it might be a nice pickup in the second round. You never know. Uh, we'll see where he's at in a few months. Uh, who, in your opinion, is the better goal scorer between Lakaramaki and Kamel? Uh, I think 
Lod like realistically, I go Kamel, but Kamel doesn't shoot the puck like Lakaramaki does. But I think Kamel brings more to the game that will put him in scoring position than Lakaramaki. Um, weird. Anyway, I'll let that. I'll let that go. Don't worry. Don't worry. YouTube is YouTube's monitor is giving me an error for some reason. I don't understand. Anyway. Uh. Anyway. 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 Um. What was I gonna? What was I saying? Oh, right, Kamel. Yeah, I think there's just more to his game that drives play in the right direction. He's more physical than Lakaramaki is. Um, Kamel, I think, has a better nose for space in the offensive zone. Um, I think there's a lot to like about about Kamel relative to Lakaramaki that puts him a little ahead for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, they're kind of cut from the same cloth, but I still think there's more of a well-rounded game from Kamel. Uh, who do you like in the 10 to 20 range for Vancouver? Well, uh, I mean, Vancouver is kind of in a weird spot, right? Like they kind of need something of everything a little, like, I, I don't know if, if a guy like Frank Nazar is still there for Vancouver, like that could be a really interesting pickup for them. Like a, a, a team with Nazar and Pod Colson on the same team would be pretty fun. Liam Ugren could be another fun one as well if you want that Pod Colson brand. Um, Philip Meshar could be an interesting Vancouver Canuck, you know, really good, skilled, quick, offensive guy that can play defense as well. Not the position, but he can play defensively. Um, it's hard to tell you unless I know who's going to be available there. Like Kevin Korchinski could be a nice defensive ad for that team as well. Like a... You know, you've got Quinn Hughes on one pairing and Korchinski on another, and they sort of quarterback and transport pucks up the ice really well. You know, I feel like there could be a lot of that for for a potential potential for that with Vancouver as well. Um, but they'll get a chance at a pretty good player in my view. Um, you know, in terms of realistically who's likely to be drafted by them in that range. Um, Seamus Casey could be an interesting one, but I get the feeling that Korchinski teams will like more. Uh, so someone of those names that I mentioned, uh, Thomas Gagne. Yes, I do have a green screen now. Look, I'm transparent, sort of. Well, behind me is transparent. Anyway, uh, quick question: If they were in the same draft, who would you take first? If they were, uh, if who would you take first if they were in the same draft? Beniers or Cooley? I go Beniers. Uh, Beniers just Beniers is the type of player that I'm always. I don't know Liam Ugrens on the other side, where it's just. 200 foot insanity down the middle for your center you know unbelievable scoring talent on one side and a good scorer but with really really good sort of 200 foot intensity on the boards on uh, from from the other side of the wings you know like that that's the sort of formula and i think guys like veneers are exactly that whereas with cooley there's more flash with logan cooley i think he's you know the skill is amazing it's a lot of fun he's he's creative um, but, but I feel like there's more, there's more defensive shortcomings. Like he can take the foot off the gas pedal. He's kind of waiting around looking for offense a lot more. He kind of struggles to get those first couple of steps to generate a lot of speed. Whereas I found Beniers, you know, wasn't the fastest guy, but he knew where to go and how to get there using his hands and his feet and his brain sort of all together at once. Um, Cooley, you know, again, Cooley, there's more flash for sure. But I think with Beniers, I, I have, you know, Beniers, there's just more of a well-rounded profile that chips in at both ends, even if he doesn't look as fancy as, as Cooley does.
Uh, thoughts on Oscar Ponzari? Yeah, so you were the one who pointed me in his direction. Uh, I, f I think so. Um, but I did go and watch a few games of him. He's on my watch list uh, in my rankings. If you haven't seen them, you should go read them on scouting.ca. Um, but yeah, Oscar Ponzari is fun. I, I, I like him a lot. I, I'm surprised he wasn't playing at the under-20 level more over the course of the year. Really good defensive player. Really, really good skater. Um, mobile guy. Like He kind of reminds me of a not-skilled... Uh, not skilled Vladimir Grudinin, where he doesn't have the most size, but he uses his feet to cover defensively extremely well. Um, you know, turns pucks around okay. Really, really good shot from the point too. Like Eaton, um, really good shot from the point. Um, but the puck skills kind of meh. You know, transition game is kind of meh. But there's a lot to like about Oscar Panzari. And I, I mean, I don't think he's going to get drafted, but I'll certainly keep my eye on him uh, for, for next year. Um, thoughts on Nicholas Moldenauer? Excited to see him play for Canada. Uh, yeah, one second. I'm getting weird. If if my seat megabits, 8,000 8, kilobits per second or whatever it is, um, I don't know what's going on. But uh, if it's janky, please let me know. Uh, but yeah, thoughts on Moldenauer? Um really excited to see him. I'm curious to see what he can do. I could see him being a pretty important player for the team. Uh, a really important, uh, you know, a really important name, you know, really smart player. He's an interesting player to watch, read and adapt and, 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 and work around pressure. So, uh, Manatron, what's up? Uh, hello, sir. Do you think Caulfield's turnaround after the coaching change is a good example of how much a coach can stifle or enhance a player's production? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's objectively true. Um, it's clear that, I mean, look, it's, it's a clear example of how a person's environment can affect their performance like a hundred percent. And it's why you can't go about yourself and your business by expecting everyone to just conform to what you think they should conform to, you know, you as the leader of a group have to adapt to the individual components of the group, right? Like you can't, not everyone's going to respond if you do things the same way or handle things the same way. Um, I don't know. I mean, Cole Caulfield also had a shooting percentage of like 2%. Like, it's not like he wasn't getting chances. Um, and he's regressing real hard now. But I think that, you know, clearly there was something going on with him and Dominic Ducharme that, 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 that limited him. And, you know, he's a guy with a personality. And from what I've read, He's a guy who was not being allowed to be himself. And I feel like that also has an effect on your performance as an individual. So I think it's a great example of, of that. And I'd be fascinated to know from Cole's mouth what was going wrong. But you won't probably hear about that stuff for uh, for years. Um, Have I ever heard of Tommaso DeLuca? Yes, I have. That's the Italian kid. Uh, he's 2023 eligible from Italy that was producing good numbers in the Swiss under 20 league. Uh, yeah, so I did go look at him uh, briefly over the course of this year. I did not see a ton. Uh, I mean, the Swiss Junior League is not very good. Um, he's definitely one of the better Italian players to come along in a long time. But I feel like he's going to be sort of a hist like in in Europe a long time. Uh, maybe maybe there's something more like if he's playing in the Swiss Junior League next year. Like look at look at uh Lake at Reichel, I think is his name. He plays in the what WHL now, but he played in the Swiss Junior League last year and had like 80 points in like 40 games and he doesn't do anything in the CHL. Like he's just not a needle mover. 
Um, so the Swiss Junior League, like Swiss hockey has just not really been what it was. And the junior levels are just not really a good place to look for talent a lot of the time. Um, so DeLuca, like he's, he's a, he's, he's a good player at that league level, but that's not, you know, hopefully he's playing at a higher level next year. Cause that's kind of a, kind of a strong cutoff for me. Um, Edvinson, Wallinder first defense pairing for the Swedes for what? Uh, I don't know for what the world juniors, I guess. Um, do you think there's any chance Lane Hudson goes in the, oh, you're talking, wait, what? Never mind. Do you think there's any chance Lane Hudson goes in the first round? No, not a chance. No way. And if he does, good for him, but I don't think it's going to happen. Who's Detroit picking at nine? Uh, you're asking the wrong guy. I do not work for the Red Wings and I wouldn't tell you who they were picking if I knew. Um, but who are they, who, who are they going to pick? Cause I'll just put it out of the universe. Matthew Savoy. Let's say Matthew Savoy ends up in Detroit. That'd be fun. A couple weeks ago, I asked about Penzara. Any thoughts? Oh, so it was you. I gave my thoughts, but I like him a lot. Good defensive player first right now. Good shot. Uh, really, really mobile. Not super skilled. Needs to work on puck management. And there's a lot of things where I kind of can see why he wasn't at the under-20 level, but I would really like to see him at the under-20 level, personally. A lot more than he was this year. Thoughts on the new rules for the draft lottery? I do not care. That's nothing against you. I am so tired of talking about the rules of the draft lottery because they change it all the time and people get mad and then more people get mad and people get mad and then people get mad because it doesn't go their way and then people get mad and then other people go get mad because people get mad. I just don't care. Like, just make the rules the rules. Like, just just, just make the rules and, and stick to it. Stick to the rules. You're not going to make everybody happy, but they, but they won't. Um, so I don't really care. Whoever wins the lottery will win the lottery. Good for them. And whoever doesn't, too bad, so sad. Nah, 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 boo-boo. Uh, do you think Montreal should sign Brett Stapley? I don't know enough about Brett Stapley to know whether or not, but... I mean, I don't know. His production doesn't really scream, like, unbelievably valuable. And again, like, I imagine Montreal would want to sign guys they've drafted... But if Stapley doesn't want to sign there, then it doesn't matter if Montreal should sign him because he's not going to. Jordan Gustafson or Matthew Semenov? I go with Gustafson, but but Semenov, I think, is a better skater, more physical. But I think Gustafson's, a, Gustafson's much more intelligent, careful with his game, great defensive player as well, skilled, smart more than anything. Um, and I think Semenov just... Semenov's more of a wrecking ball um, who needs other guys to sort of put the puck in the net for him. But Gustafson, I think, is more of a guy who I think has a more well-rounded game that that I think could project pretty well to to next levels if his skating takes a few steps over the next couple of years. Is Lambert the biggest boomer bust? Uh, no, I saw this question earlier, and I think Osland uh, is more like that kind of thing. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I still think that Brad Lambert is a guy who's going to get better with you when you put him with better players. He's not a bad player, but I think he just needs good, fast-skilled players to play with. And he hasn't gotten that this year, uh, really. Um, he's at the Four Nations right now, and he's playing a lot better. Like, he's producing, and I felt that he's been pretty good. So, uh, I'm not super concerned about him. But guys like Osland, I think, are much more boomer bust. Owen Pickering could be one of those. Sam Renzel, maybe. Uh, who else? Grudinen, in my view. Pretty big boomer bust. Um... Like, Gradinan's not going to play bottom six minutes, or bottom bottom pair minutes. He's just not going to. 
Thoughts on people comparing McDavid and Bedard's D minus one? Uh, I mean, they're comparable. Like they are comparable. Um, they're different players. Um, they're di- they're just different types of players. But like when you look at the points they're scoring, then yeah, they're absolutely comparable. Um, I don't know. I mean, I look at Connor McDavid, and I don't. I don't know. It's weird because to me, Connor Bedard is like a weird hybrid of Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid. It's like if you took what makes Austin Matthews really special and combined it with Connor McDavid and what makes him special, you know, and and just sort of maybe include also some maybe like with Bedard, you're going to get put him out. You're putting Bedard out to score Um, and he scores incredible goals. He can be a really crafty playmaker as well. I think just an offensive 200, like two, a two-way just dynamo, scoring, playmaking, but like the goals are just remarkable. The way he can get shots off through traffic and from anywhere on the ice is just unbelievable. Um, kind of like Matthews, but like McDavid, he's got that sort of intensity and that 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 hard skill of like, I'm coming at you kind of thing. Um, even if he doesn't have the blazing speed that a guy like McDavid has, but you know, who knows, maybe he'll get there one day, but just everything in conjunction makes him such a weird hybrid of the two. Um, just kind of, they're not the same players, but but they're comparable, I guess. Any players from oddball countries we could see picked this year? I mean, I'm a big Kenta Isogai fan, uh, Japanese kid. I, I think he should get drafted, but he probably won't. Um, at least that's my expectation. Uh, define oddball too. I mean, uh, a couple of guys from Kazakhstan, maybe like Aldiar Nurlan was pretty good at the under 20 tournament. Mods Baki Olsen, I think is his name was good for Norway at the under 20, under 18 division one, a tournament. But I guess Norway's not really an oddball country. I'd say that Kenta Isogai is the one where I'm going, yeah, I probably would, would take a pick on that guy. Uh, Bobby Brink. Yep. A hundred percent. What would you do with Sankoven if you're Dallas? He had a lot of points in the dub, but the most impressive thing was that he had 44 more, more points than the next on his team, maybe too good for junior. Well, I mean, it wouldn't... You, with a guy like Stankoven, you got to be really sure he's ready for the NHL. Could he get a cup of coffee next year? Absolutely. I would give him a tryout, because you're right. Like, if he had... If he scored so much that, like, you may as well give him a chance. But you know what? Dallas sent Jason Robertson back to junior twice, and it certainly hasn't hurt him. Uh, and he was unbelievable the whole time. So I get the feeling that Stankoven should be one of those guys um, that maybe goes back, but you give him a cup of coffee to see if he can do. Uh, see what he can do, I should say. How does Korchinski have four goals and 60 assists? Because he passes the puck a lot more than he shoots it. Uh, that That's about it. Uh, thoughts on Jonathan Karamaki? Great shooter. Not much else, not much of a play driver, not much of a defensive impact, just a guy who gets the puck and shoots it really good and nice skill before he shoots it. Uh, thoughts on people having Jimmy Snuggerud in the first round. I kind of get where they're coming from, but you're hoping for a lot of improvement. Like if you do it, okay, like he's in a tier for me that that bleeds into the late, late first round. But if he's gone at like 15, then I bid him adieu and wish him all the best with wherever he's going. Um... Uh, uh, what do you see as the Sharks' biggest drafting need and who fits there for this draft? So the Sharks are probably going to be, what, top 10? I mean, the Sharks kind of, they've drafted a lot of wingers that I think will play in the NHL. They've got Bordalo, who seems to be looking like a center. I mean, he skates well enough to, I think, play down the middle. I mean, I don't know if that'll stick long term. Uh, same goes for Eklund. 
I mean, if 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 I mean, if San Jose can add Brad Lambert or a Logan Cooley or uh, who else, maybe a Frank Nazer if they're a little further back in the draft, that would fit that sort of positional need. A really good defenseman could also help them. You know, like if David Yurichek is available, that's a completely different player than what they've drafted recently that could help them and help their sort of defense or their their forwards play a little more offensively and take a little more risks, and he can sort of shore up the back end a little um with with upside as well especially offensively um there's they're gonna have options i i I mean i look at their team though and go who's gonna play down the down the middle long term right i don't i don't know i don't really see it as william eckland i don't really see it as um oh i i don't really see it as thomas bordolo personally like maybe but not as your like first line marquee center uh I, i i struggle with that um where were we here um ludwig Pearson is scoring very well in under 20 he has a track record of shl games in 20 production why is he consistently ranked in the second round uh because his shl games if you watch them like he's not really doing much he's a good defensive player at that level but the puck touches his stick and the play dies and he also i don't think has played much in those games at all um but Pearson also played in the second grouping down the stretch of the year. So the Swiss or the Swedish league splits in half uh, and the best teams play the best teams in each division and the worst teams play the worst teams. And he, and Frölunda wasn't in the best division this year. So he was just filling the net constantly, but he's also a good finisher, right? Like guys drive the puck deep down low and he's in front of the net there to the, he's down in the, in the middle of the ice and ready to sort of bang in some, some scoring chances here and there. Um, he's just, he's okay. Like he's fine. I don't, I don't think there's an unbelievable scoring player there. Um, and yeah, I mean, as a, as a second round all around guy, I was hoping for more out of him this year in terms of the pace of his game that I saw last year, the skill, but he's much more of sort of a straight line puck carrier and then off puck offense, get into scoring position and jam one in kind of guy. And he's been playing against you know, you know, he's been punching below his weight class a little bit uh, for a little while as well, scoring a ton of points. Did I post the Tyler Duke video? Uh, it's available for all patrons. Uh, it's out, and I believe it should be in your patron inbox. Uh, if not, uh, I'll have a look. Um, Nick Blankenberg signing into Columbus was very interesting. They have a player uh, they're looking for on their back end. How would you rank Blankenberg, Knazko, Kuhlmans, Svozil, and Richard? I love Nick Blankenberg. I've been watching him since last season when he was Owen Powers' pairing pairmate. And I think I said this really early last year, but like Nick Blankenberg covered up a lot of issues for Owen Power uh last season when I was watching him defensively especially. Um so I I like Blankenberg and I'm really really happy that that he's off to such a good start. But in that in that range, I'd go probably Svozil, Kulam Svozil it's hard because Kuhlemans is also four years younger than Blankenberg, right? So I'll go Svazil, Kuhlemans, Blankenberg, Knazko, Richard. Sure. The more I see of Gradina, the more I like. What don't you like in his game? Uh, if he stops moving his feet, he's a non-factor defensively. He's going to need to be one of the most active footwork defensemen out there. He is just a, He's going to need to be active, 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 um, which is not always easy. Um, but I also don't like that he doesn't take as many risks as he could. He he could de- work on his skating a little more and become a great offensive quarterback um, with good defensive ability. Like, I, I don't know. There's a lot to love in his game. 
Um, but there's also some things that are just kind of like they need they need work more than like things I don't like. It's just things that need work and 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 time. Uh, Renzel or Pickering? I go Sam Renzel, but 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 oh no, I have Pickering higher. Sorry, I go Pickering, uh, but only barely, and I like the idea of picking between those two. Um, did you see De- Bordalo's debut? And do you think he sticks at center? I did actually. I went back and watched some Thomas Bordalo a few days ago. Um, do I think he sticks at center? I don't think he's the ideal choice at center, but the but the the, the Sharks have so many wingers on the way that I think could play in the NHL that even if half of them don't make it, there's still going to be a ton. Um, but yeah, I think, I think with him, uh, yeah, I I think he could be a really, really great winger, but again, his skating has come so far since what I remember when he was drafted, but his defensive work is his defensive game is still a question mark. And that shows in the, in the stat, in the stat sheets from the games he's played, um, but the offense is there, so we'll see. I mean, he's, it's worth trying. The team has kind of time to figure it out. You know, you don't put too much pressure on him. Say, hey, we'll play at center. If it doesn't work, no problem, whatever. We'll figure it out. But, yeah, he's a good one. Um, what do I think of Jordan Dumay? He's fine. He's not as good as his production, but he's, you know, decently intelligent managing the puck. Not much of a defensive player, like, at all uh at all um but catches pucks in stride pretty well gains pretty easy transitions i'm always skeptical of of q guys but you know he's been good scores a ton plays with great line mates i don't know i I, it's kind of like alex bocage where he'll get drafted in like the third or fourth round score a lot of points in junior and then who knows i i don't i don't think there's much there in the way of a professional player but he's fun to watch at times for sure Thoughts on Seamus Powell? Um, I don't have many because I don't I don't really like him that much. I mean, I've seen the NTDP a lot. Powell has not really stuck out to me much uh, whatsoever. So, unfortunately, yeah, Powell is a bit of a bit of a no for me. Uh, not like his brother. His brother is always a lot of fun to watch, even if his ceiling's a little limited. But uh, with Seamus, I'm, I don't know. I I just don't see much that that's really high end out of him right now. Uh, what is Panofimus's potential? He has shown some highlight reel talent in the OHL. You don't hear his name in round one. Well, I don't know. I've seen Panofimus play a lot. He plays with Daniil Gustin all the time, and Daniil Gustin can't get him to score ever. Um, and Panofimus is playing with a guy who scores like half of his team's goals and can't get that many assists. I mean, I don't know. I've seen Fimus play a couple of times. I saw the clip that someone, I forget who it was, but they posted it and like, I don't know, he had like miles of open ice to play with, terrible defending on that play. I don't know. I, I've seen Fimis a few times and every single time I'm going, I don't know. I, I just don't know. Like he's part of the, he's part of the giant group of players past the like top 100 for me where I'm like, I don't know if you want him, go for it. I'm not, a, I don't know. I don't, I don't see it, but okay. Like if if you think that he's going to like exponentially explode, then sure. Um, but I'm not, I don't know. I haven't seen much there. He's got some pace in his game, but I haven't seen much else. Like he just kind of moves around the ice pretty well, but doesn't really drive the play much from when I've seen him. Uh, can Casper go power? Could Casper become a power forward and how high could he go? Well, I'd argue he's already kind of that. How high could he go? Uh, I mean, I, he's out of my first round now, just barely, but, I mean, mid mid to late first, and maybe you get a bottom six center or something there, or a bottom six winger that can grind along the boards. Sure, something like that. 
Uh, and that's it for the stream questions from the old stream. We'll switch over to the new one. Um, close that. Don't don't need that. Uh, okay. Whatever. Okay. Over to the new one. Cool, cool, cool. Um, actually, I should have some water. I'm getting a I'm getting a cramp under my rib from speaking. Pardon me while I get my dune eyes for a second there. Anyway, um, where are we here? Thoughts on Ken Johnson so far, and do you think he can or will go to center? I mean, I've never thought Ken Johnson would play center in the NHL, um, personally. I haven't seen anything of him in Columbus. The only guy in Columbus recently that I've seen much of is Nick Blankenberg, and I just watched some tape because because uh, he's fun, uh, not really paying too much attention to to uh to to kent so far but i probably should so i'll check him out maybe tonight um thoughts on maverick lamaru personally i wouldn't draft him until the fifth round yeah i i don't know i'm not drafting maverick lamaru i mean he's big and has some range and some decent hands for a big boy but i don't know someone's gonna draft him in like the, the like 30th overall or something and hope that and maybe there's something there you know like if he fills out his frame doesn't lose that mobility he's got, builds on his skill, gets better moving the puck. Sure, I could see that there's something there with Maverick Lamaru. I could see a team really swinging on him early, but I don't know. I, I wouldn't do it. Um, last game I saw of him was just terrible. Uh, and the one before wasn't great offensively. It was pretty good defensively, but I don't know. I, I, I need to do more on him, but... Uh, I don't know. I feel like someone's going to draft him way higher than I would. In your first round, which forward and defenseman would be the most agile skater? Agile. Um, probably Matthew Savoy and uh, agile. Um, hmm. Agile, maybe Denton Matejchuk, maybe Matejchuk or Grudinin. I would say are probably the most agile defensemen in my first round right now. Uh, do you have anything on Sebastian Schellen? I do not, but I will check him out. Uh, let me just copy paste his name, Sebastian Schellen. Schellen, young guy, cool. Uh. Any idea of what you think Georgi Merkulov's potential is? Getting a lot of praise from the Bruins staff and media. He's been great in the AHL so far. Uh, no, I don't have anything for you. Uh, I've heard this name before. He was on my tracker list a while back. Um, not a bad season in college. I don't know. Uh, I think three games in the AHL is really quick to be whatever to 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 be you know out there. Um, but I'll check him out. Um, for sure. Hmm. Oh, never mind. Um, what else do we got here? What's going on? Well, who's the most fun pick for the Jets? Uh, I mean, Brad Lambert, because he's Finnish and probably will be available at their pick. Uh, hello, David. What's going on? How high would you consider drafting Pickering or Renzel, considering they take more time to develop? Around where I have them ranked. Like, in the 20s. I mean, if it's like 15 through 20 in that range, 
I would start thinking about Pickering and maybe Renzel, maybe Renzel a little later. But yeah, I mean, if you're to draft, you should be taking your time to develop pretty much everyone you draft anyway. Um, there's no rush for them to get to the NHL. And so, yeah, not much, not much lower or higher than I have them ranked now. Uh, just got season tickets to Cape Breton Eagles games. Noice. Always wanted to go up for Cape, to Cape Breton for a game. Uh, any thoughts on Cam Squires and Jeremy Longlois? Uh, Longlois is one of these defensemen, I think, that's like all hands. Uh, and that's kind of where a lot of, he's, he's got a lot of, he's, he's, he's very, very, very offensive leaning, like steps up into the offensive zone a lot. Really solid hands to sort of navigate pressure. But that's kind of it, right? Like, he shoots pretty well as well, but that's kind of it. Um, Cam Squires, I haven't seen enough, and I can't really can't really get into that, unfortunately. Uh, which player is a Nylander-like player who has a ton of talent and potential, yet doesn't give it 100% every game? And if he did give 100% every game, he'd be better than he is. See, you got to be very careful because you're accusing a player of not putting in 100%. Um... Uh, because I love him so much, I'll say Logan Cooley. It, it, he's one of these guys where the offense, you when the puck is on his stick, he's like, you can tell that that's his comfort zone. When the puck isn't on his stick, it's it's as if he's waiting for the puck to become on his stick, which is problematic to me. So we'll go with Logan Cooley because I love him so much and I want him to be a thing so bad, um, but things are going to need, that's going to need to come a ways. Uh, quick podcast recommendation. If you're a hardcore history and fall of civilizations fan, I am our fake history. All right. Because I like you check it out. Uh, okay. Interesting. Interesting premise on this podcast. I'll, I'll listen to it someday. Someday soon. Who's Jakob Norin? Uh, he plays for Moto. Uh, he's a defenseman. Almost eligible for 2023. Small, really mobile. Not a great puck handler. Not the best forward skater. Um, didn't do much in the game I tracked. Played about 10 minutes at the Elsvenskin level. Um, but he's fun to watch. He's mobile and plays pretty well defensively. He's like a, he's like a not offensively good Vladimir Grudinin kind of guy. Uh, what about Ko? His offensive outbreak this season jumped his ceiling way up for me. Well, the ceiling was always there, my friend. Just because a player plays on a bad team does not mean that they don't have a high ceiling. Brandon Ko immediately was one of the most impressive big men that year for me. I loved Brandon Ko so much, and he was drafted way too late. Um, tons of skill, tons of range, great size, reach, love it. Uh, I feel like Nazar in the top 10 might be a lock. Could you see him slipping out, or do you also think he'll go in the top 10? So I've got Nazar at 12. I could see him going in the top 10. I mean, Trikazov's not going to go in the top 10. Mashar probably isn't going to go top 10. So yeah, I could see Nazar sneaking in there at like somewhere in the 7 to 10 range. But I could also see someone drafting him way higher based on his, you know, the resilience that he has, the physical strength he can show, the moments where he's really in, in top flight and moving up the ice and doing really, really well. Which I don't, I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen a ton of it. I think his defensive game is a question mark for sure. Um, in my in the games I've done, it's been a question mark. Um, but do I think he'll go top 10? Yeah, I, I could easily see it for sure. Uh, will we see Kananika get drafted? No. 
Uh, would you rather be the absolute best at something that no one takes seriously or abri- average at something well, well respected? Uh, I would choose the thing that I like to do more rather than what other people think. I mean, being the best at something no one takes seriously if it's something that I like doing, it's kind of what I'm doing, right? Like, I'm trying to be really, really good at something that a lot of people just do not care about, right? And that's what makes me happy. But if there's something like music, for example, like let's say music. Everybody wants to be a musician right now. A lot of people do. And musicians are pretty well respected mostly. Mostly. Um, If I were average at it in the grand scheme of things and like made a living from it, like a moderately good living from it, I mean, I would enjoy that as well for sure. And I'm not saying I'm like the best at what I do at something that no one takes seriously right now. I'm trying to get to that point. But, I mean, I don't know, two sides of the same coin, but I would do what I like more. Um, do you see translatable skills in Rygal Lorenz? Sure, he's big and strong. Um, bottom six guy, I could see it. He's just scoring a ton of points, and I don't really see that translating very well. But he's a big physical dude, solid speed, um... Certainly, certainly enough to make it work as some kind of power winger in the NHL of some kind. Uh, forgive me if it's already been asked, but you're a little lower on Owen Beck than some other stats-heavy draft boards. Do you have any idea where that discrepancy comes from? I don't know where the stats-heavy argument for Owen Beck comes from. Like, I'm just looking right now. Like, I can pull him up here. Um, but I, I mean, look, I, I don't dislike Owen Beck. He's still in a tier that, you know, if it was late first round, like... You'd have to twist my arm, but I could easily see how he could be in that range. Um, let me just pull up his data. His datum. Nope. Nope. Owen Beck. There's his name. So we'll start here. Like, none of this is particularly fantastic. Like, his involvement percentage is 22%, which is ho-hum. Even strength, his involvement percentage is 20%, so that implies that he's scoring on the power play more relative to his even strength. Scoring. He has very limited, like his his even strength goals for, per, goals for per 60 and goals against per 60 are pretty pedestrian. Only getting primary points on half of the goals scored at even strength when he's on the ice. Like, that's also very pedestrian. That number should be around 60% for more higher-end offensive guys. Um, you know, look, Owen Beck brings good tools. He's got good hands for getting pucks down under pressure. He catches pucks in stride really well, generates a lot of transitions that way, carries the puck really well in a straight line. You know, I think Beck could be a really, really good junior player, but I wonder about what happens beyond this point. A lot of the track data I have is really good, but a lot of it, I just don't feel like NHL guys are going to let him get away with the same kind of thing. Like, they're all going to be just as smooth on their feet, for the most part, as him. Um, and and I, I just, I when he's under pressure, things aren't as good. But, but knocking, you know, he's got good hands for knocking play down, finding space, moving pucks up the ice. His involvement in transitions are really low as well. Um, you know, 53rd and 53rd out of 81 names. Um, so he's efficient, but kind of removed from play quite a bit. Uh, you know, a volume playmaker, like a lot of dangerous passes are going in the area of the middle of the ice, but 60th in percentage of actually completing them. 
Um, yeah, like 11%. So nine out of 10 of his pass attempts to the slot aren't hitting targets or there are no targets, uh, which is somewhat problematic to me. But again, like he's, he's, there are, there are bright signs. Sure. I just wonder about how projectable it all is, uh, down the road. Uh, okay. Kamel is Hoffman. <laughs> Someone wrote that. I could see that, you know, but I think, I think there's a defensive game to Kamel that does exist. Um, but maybe not a, not a massively high end one. Just, he kind of chips in when he needs to. Uh, do you like Charlie Letty? Not really. Again, like another depth NTDP guy, those guys, Powell, Letty, and who's the other one? Caden Muir. Not my type. Uh, Jasmine, what's going on, my friend? Uh, what are your thoughts on Kirill Kudryavtsev and Bryce McConnell-Barker? Um... I don't have that many. I came away thinking Kudryavtsev just did not translate to North America very well at all anytime I've seen him this year. Bryce McConnell-Barker, just, I don't know. I don't see it. I just don't see it. I know some people love him or at least really like him. Like, he was in EP's first round. I don't see it at all. He's a, he's not a guy that I am clamoring to draft. Similar to, uh, I'm trying to think of other names that we've spoken about on this stream, but just like, Again, in part of that giant soup of guys where if it's like the fifth or sixth round, it's like, okay, fine. If you want him, sure. Let's see what happens. Um, but I haven't been blown away with McConnell Barker or Kudryavsev this year. And I liked Kudryavsev last year over in Russia. So it just goes to show the Russian junior hockey is not North American hockey at all. Uh, thoughts on Pod Colson's growth throughout the season? I have watched about two Vancouver Canucks games this year and seen a little bit of Vasily Podkolzin. He still feels like Vasily Podkolzin to me. Just getting more comfortable, but he still feels like Vasily Podkolzin. Hard work, great shot, admirable to watch, questionable overall output and upside. Um, oh, man. Stupid ribs. What makes Isaac Howard such a polarizing prospect? Notice you have him in the top 15. Other have him in, others have him in the second round or later. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the answer to that question is. I have heard a lot about him, about how, like, I'll pull up his data. And I, I will be doing a full data set on Isaac Howard, or at least very close to that. I've done 54 minutes of 5-on-5 data. And I see a player who does a lot of things extremely well. His defensive game is a bit of a problematic issue. Like, he just does not really seem to chip in defensively much in transition, and shutting play down is just not his forte. But the offense is just unbelievable. The pace of his game, the skill, the creativity, the agility, it's just, in, it's just bananas. Like, he kind of reminds me a little bit of, like, a of a flashier Xavier Bourgo from last year, kinda. And I, I really, really like him. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I've heard the critiques of him and I just don't see it. Like a lot of people are talking, oh, he can't make a play to save his life. He passes pucks through shin pads, blah, blah, blah. But then they also go and anoint Owen Beck as like a first round pick. Whereas in the games I've seen, like you're looking at it in my, in the games I've seen, which is I think one more than how, than, than Beck, Howard is completing almost half of those slot passes with way more volume and Owen Beck is more at 11% in lower volume. 
So with Isaac Howard, uh, I see an extremely high intensity, high motor kid who tries to force play a little bit. Like he, he certainly challenges his opponents a lot more than, than you might be used to. Um, there's all kinds of things that he does really well though. And his transition data, especially offensively is outstanding. Um, you know, he's a great pass target, you know, catches things really well, gets transitions well, creates plays off the boards really well. Like there's so much that he does that I really like. So I don't know what makes him so polarizing because the things that I've heard that are negatives on him, I just haven't seen at least not to the, not to as frustrating a point where people, I think D, like I think elite prospects put him as a D and D. Like I don't know if if that's if that's up your alley, if that's the way you want to do it, then by all means, I, I don't know. I'm not going to force you not to. But I just again like the critiques that I've read, I have not seen in my in my in my time watching him. I just see a really dynamic, creative, dual threat offensive dude who is a volume playmaker but makes it work. You know, really, really impressive player when he's on. And I mean, anyone over an offensive threat of 30 has turned out to be at least some kind of offensive guy. Like Jack Quinn even was up there and I wasn't a huge fan of Jack Quinn. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones. Seth Jarvis was around 30 uh, in junior as well. So I'm not super concerned about Isaac Howard. Um... do you see any of the sharks prospects actually developing into a center they might have one in bordello they seem to think that eklund will be one um but i don't know i don't know uh that's that's the kind of the weakness in the stru- in the structure of the future of that team i'm trying to think like not brandon co not daniel Guzchin, not tristan well, tristan robbins i don't think either Ozzy Weisblatt, maybe, maybe, but probably not. Maybe, maybe. Him, of all of them, he's the one that sticks out as interesting to me. Maybe Bortolo if things get better, but I don't know. Uh, not, I don't know. I don't see it as likely. Uh, I know most drafts are Canadian heavy, but does next year's draft really, does next year's draft seem really Canadian heavy, especially in the first round? I don't know, man. I'm not, I don't comment on drafts a year in advance because if you had shown me my list right now, a year ago to me, I would not know who half of the players are. So I don't know, like, don't get caught up trying to think about your years in the future the only thing I know about next year's draft is that I really like Connor Bedard. I really like Adam Adam Fantilli, and Matt Vemichkov is a really really good scorer, and we'll see where he's at next year. Beyond that, I don't know. Leo Carlson's pretty good, but beyond that, Alex Siernik is a guy I really like, but I don't know. I can't tell you who's going to be in the first round for next year in April 2022. I just can't do that. Um, I've seen a lot of talk about high schooler Michael Fisher. Have you had a chance to see him? Yes, and I've heard a lot about him too. I don't see it. Uh, I think he's on, he's on my watch list. Um, I don't know. I, like, it... Scott Morrow was a prep school kid last year, and he was a video game character. Michael Fisher is playing 35 minutes a night and certainly has some good footwork he can carry a puck pretty well, but he's also playing prep school hockey. And, you know, part of the things that I loved so much about Scott Morrow was the creativity and the skill level that he brought. 
and just how automatic he was. Michael Fisher, I don't know. I, I, I watched a couple of games of his and he had a couple of nice rushes, but for every nice rush he had, he had some really bad chip passes along the boards, really not scanning very well, not spotting ice really well, you know, stationary defender relying on his reach and that his opponent wasn't as good as he was. I don't know. Maybe I just haven't seen the same games. Um, but with Michael Fisher, like if, if someone drafts, like it, it's the same Ian Moore went to the same school and I watched a lot of Ian Moore cause I heard a lot of good things about him too. And he was scoring a ton of points and I just did not see it. Um, you know, Michael Fisher had all the time in the world to produce at the Holinka as well on that U.S. team, and I went back and watched some tape from him at the Holinka and didn't see a whole lot of needle moving. So, like, I don't know for the mo for the forward skating and and the puck carrying ability. Then, yeah, I think there's enough to put him on my watch list at least. But I've heard a lot of really positive stuff about him, and the more I watch him, the more I go, okay, like I kind of see it, but like. I don't know if you have these thought. If you had concerns about the projectability of a guy like Scott Morrow, who has the skill, vision, and offensive creativity that he has, without needing to go 100 miles an hour, and you're now, but you were concerned about him and not concerned about Michael Fisher. I have. I just see things the exact opposite way. I personally just see things the exact opposite way, where I feel like he's just going to have trouble down the road when guys are better. But who knows? I saw Joel likes Merrick Alsher in the end of the third round. Any thoughts on him? Nope. Uh, actually, I shouldn't answer that so hastily, but I'm pretty sure I don't. Um, but if Joel likes him, he's probably wrong. I'm just kidding. I love Joel. Um, Merrick Alsher. Joel Henderson, by the way. That's who we're talking about. Um, all right. I'll check him out. I mean, Joel would draft the entire Portland Winterhawks team, it seems, at this point. So, thoughts on Owen Van Steenzel? Only seen him very briefly. Don't have that many thoughts. Not playing a ton of minutes. Um, I like his motor. He works hard. Um, but uh, I haven't I haven't taken a detailed look at him as yet. Where is Bichelle ranked? Uh, where is Bichelle ranked? Uh, for me right now? Bichelle, where are you? 29? On average, he's ranked 40. So, like, early second-round pick seems reasonable. Um, If you could own a team in any league other than the NHL, what would it be? OHL, junior team. They're, it's fun. It's a fun league. It's a fun level to play. You know, a lot of roster churn, crazy trades, uh, for sure, OHL. Do you see Trevor Wong as too small and soft or soft to make the NHL? Uh, I, do, I don't – I just – Trevor Wong is a kid who I just don't, I don't see it at all. I mean, I, I heard, again, I heard a lot of positive things about him last year. And every time I watched him, I'm going, he's getting eaten alive. Like every single time he touches the puck, he's just getting eaten alive. He he looks faster than he is. He's one of those guys, like you got to be really careful with really small players who especially don't have a ton of dynamic ability and, and pace and, and skill to their game. Trevor Wong just would get the puck and just motor in a straight line along the boards and I saw him get crunched a whole bunch of times. Like, it's not a matter of being too small or too soft. It's just that he didn't have enough in the toolkit to make it work. And so, I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard. Like, the difference between Trevor Wong and Logan Stankoven would be a good case study to explore. Um, but, yeah. It, the, the, I think it's just that Trevor Wong didn't, didn't have enough skill 
and and agility to to overcome the limitations that he that he that he unfortunately faces. What are your thoughts on Tyson Dick if you've seen him at all? Just wondering, he plays on my hometown team in the BCHL. I assume you don't like his skating. Uh, I'm trying to think of who that is. I think I've seen him. It rings a bell. Yeah. Cranbrook. Um, can't say I've seen a ton of him. Oh, he's a forward. Who am I thinking of? I think Ryan Hopkins might be the guy I'm thinking of. Um, I don't think I've seen a ton of Tyson Dick, so I'll check him out. I'll, I'll check him out. I think I've definitely watched him play, but I don't remember what my, what my thoughts are, and I don't want to lie to you. I love Lane Hudson, but let's be real, guys. It's very small. Uh, what's a realistic projection for him in the, in the NHL, Victor Mete? Well, a realistic projection for a guy like Lane Hudson in the NHL is going to be Lane Hudson. I, he's not Victor Mete. Victor Mete was gifted with wonderful footwork and skating. Um, you know, you know, a guy, a guy like Vladimir Gurdin might be Victor Mete. Um, but Lane Hudson is like, I don't know who in the NHL he would be. He'd be one of a kind. Um, it's like, he's got work to do. Like there's a lot of work to do. I wouldn't be surprised to see him be drafted way later than people think he's going to go. Um, I would not be surprised like third, fourth, fifth round kind of thing. Um, but just, just because there's so much work to do in so many areas in my view, but the, but the potential is limitless. Um, trying to think of an NHL example. There isn't one like who you, you probably can't even name 10, five foot eight defenders in the NHL anyway. Like he's not Tory Krug. He might be a Tory Krug at the end of the day, but mm, probably not. Who will be the better prospect that's named after a current NHL star, Jack Hughes or Elias Pettersson? Great question. The answer is Jack Hughes. Do you see red flags in Isaac Howard's processing of the game like Joey Podmanabon from EP? When people when people say that they have problems with his processing, like again, I just go back to the data and I see a guy who doesn't pass he doesn't have incomplete passes as much as like he doesn't have he doesn't have incomplete passes as much as other guys. Right? Like if you look at the track data I've got, he's 32nd in completing passes, not ideal for sure. Top five, he, he's top 10 in dangerous pass generation, top 15 in individual dangerous chance generation. In terms of combining those two things together, he's top five. Completion, completing those passes in the slot, fourth. You know, in terms of shot assists, 11th. When he's on the ice, the team has, they, he, no other player I've tracked this year generates more dangerous chances than him. And this isn't a big sample. Like, this is almost an hour of ice time. Um, so... When I hear people say, oh, his, his processing, right? Like, what does that mean? What are you talking about? Like, because the results are really, really good. Even if there are issues, which with Howard there are, but even if there are issues, he's still just bananas good. Like, really, really good. Driving a lot of really key data in a lot of really important areas. Um, so for me, like... There is inactivity with Isaac Howard. He is a player who I think needs other guys to do the dirty work for him. But if he has open ice and gets to play with it and has a partner who can keep up with him and drive the offensive zone with him and finish off like Frank Nazer can, then Isaac Howard could be a, a, a could be awesome. Um, and when I look at things like processing, I mean, look, the, I don't know. I don't know. 
it's it's hard for me to look at this strong of a data set and come away going, yeah, but he can't process the game. Because I find it very difficult to do what he's doing uh, while he may not know what's going on around him. Like, I don't know. Maybe I just need to pay more attention, but the results are pretty good. So I feel like that means that you should work on those issues, whatever that might be, and make the good things better. But I don't know. That That's just me. Uh, do you think size matters because smaller guys now... D- smaller guys doesn't have speed advantages again i don't like making umbrella statements about things that someone can't do anything about if you're if you are small and if you are big or if you're an in-between it does it it just changes the equation right it could it just changes the equation smaller guys have advantages that don't just need speed right like Small players, their muscle lengths are shorter. The moment arms that are required to use force to move their limbs is lower. Bigger players have longer muscles, and that means that your bones are longer. You know, it's like it's like trying to pull up a drawbridge, because that's all the muscle is, right? Like you're pulling on a drawbridge to pull it up, right? If you've got a really long drawbridge with a hinge and then another really long drawbridge on the other end and a hinge in the middle with something attached to the to the hinge if that other side is really long it's going to be harder to pull on that but if it's really short it's going to be easier so that just by physiologically speaking small players have an advantage in terms of moving their limbs quicker or at least e- more easily bigger players don't get that advantage um so you you you, you take and you give right like it doesn't matter like Certain things are that the, the, are, are a benefit if you're small, but you need to be better in other areas. If you're big, certain things become easier, but you need to be better in other areas. It's all a spectrum. It's not, you know, nowadays I don't really, like, again, I don't, I don't look at a player and find reasons not to think that they're good or that they're not going to work, right? Like, I don't, I, I, especially something like size. It's just, okay, here are the situations. Here's the landscape. Here's what I need to look at. What do I you know, what, what do I think? And where do we go from here? Um, so yeah, I don't know. It, it, it all depends on the player for sure. I mean, smaller players do need to be quicker, but I don't know. Also like the difference between someone that's five, eight and five eleven, which nobody has a problem with driving, drafting someone five ten, five eleven, five eight is, you know, it's, it's not much. Take out a tape measure and measure two inches. It's not much. Um, I hear you're not as high on Simon Nemich as NHLE. Why is that? He's generational according to Byron Bader's model. Look, Byron Bader's model claiming someone in the Slovakian Pro League who is producing better than most guys who has ever come out of that league, claiming that that's a generational player says more about his model than it does about Simon Nemich. I've seen a lot of Simon Nemich. I don't see a generational player there. I don't think anyone in their right mind would consider Simon Nemich a generational player ever like uh, in a not in a million years he's he he might be a decent puck carrying middle pair guy who who really needs to focus on carrying the puck because his defensive game for me is a big miss right now um you know he's got skill but i don't think it's super high end like you like to see out of your puck carriers um you know maybe like the guy that he kind of reminds me of a little bit 
is kind of like a, a, a less playmaky Morgan Riley, where if he's got the puck and he's carrying it up the ice, you absolutely see the value for sure. And, and Morgan Riley doesn't dangle the pants off of everyone, but he just transports the puck really well. And he passes the puck around the offensive zone pretty well. Nemich can do that too. But Morgan Riley's defense has been the butt end of jokes for years. It's okay now, I guess, but it's still not great. And for a long time, it was really bad. And with Nemich, I could see similarities there a little bit. Uh, but generational is, it's not, it's a non-starter for me. Is there a player you think will be available around 90 to 100 that would be ranked higher if not for their skating? Uh, looking for Leafs third round targets and I trust Barb Underhill. Uh, Cole Knubel maybe is one of those guys. Uh, I don't know. I feel like you could find someone better in that range, but Cole Knubel immediately jumps to mind that, that Toronto might be interested in. Um, let me see. Let me pull up my list. Um, Devin Kaplan, maybe. Um, Jordan Gustafson could be another one that would be fun. That's a, that's a good start. <laughs> um, any thoughts on Ben King on Red Deer? I like him. Um, AHL deal guy, you know, he's, he's good. He's worth, I I wouldn't draft him. But he's worth a contract. He's worth a camp invite and a, and, a, and a contract of some kind. I wouldn't ELC him right away. I went and watched a bunch of tape of him after Archdeep Bain signed. I don't know. I wouldn't draft him for sure, but camp invite, yeah, I'd give him a, I'd give him one. Sure, what's the worst that could happen? Uh, what do you think about Jordan Dumais? He's got 100 points in the queue and no major scouting service has him in the first round. Kind of went over him already. Uh, I don't know. I watch a lot of Quebec hockey. The defending is kind of wow. Uh, I don't know. He also plays on one of the best lines in the queue. Um, I mean, I don't know. Under normal circumstances, I feel like he'd be around a point per game, you know, which he's just, I don't know. I, I've seen a lot of him. It's hard to explain quickly why I'm not a huge fan of his in terms of like the, you mentioned first round, like that's where his production should put him. And I agree, but there's more to the game than production. And a big issue is you know, like the Quebec league is not particularly good. And, and I don't know. I, I just, I don't see super high end skill. I don't see who's super high end speed. I don't see super high end processing or pace. Uh, I just see good all around and really, 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 really good line mates. Um, you know, but, but once in a while he does do something fun. He, he should be drafted for sure, but I feel like he's more of a mid round pick and you know, see what happens. Has Austin got you signed up on the Ryan Healy bandwagon? He didn't. Uh, Ryan did, though. Uh, I put him on the watch list. Sure, he he deserves a, a spot there. I liked him a lot last year. Watched him a bit at the Holinka and early this year and kind of fell off the wagon a little. But now I, I the game I did today was really, really interesting. You know, he's got good hands. He, uh, he has creative sort of adaptive pressure management. Um, didn't see much offense out of him. His team kind of spent most of the game in the defensive end. But... He, he's got some interesting tools and I think he has points on like 30% of, of the goals scored when he's on the ice at even strength, which is pretty impressive for a defenseman. That's primary points, by the way. Um, but a lot of power point power play production as well. Thoughts on Cruz Lucius. He's a, he's a not projectable and not as talented version of his brother. He's his brother without the ridiculous goal scoring and his brother had a lot of shortcomings. Uh, Cruz is, 
I, I don't know. I maybe he gets drafted. I I wouldn't. Um, I don't know. I I just I, he's decently skilled, but very 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 low pace player. Um, and I don't know. I just I, I whenever I've gone and watched him, I just haven't haven't seen a ton outside of just the hands that he's got once in a while. Is there a player that has the most to gain from a really good under eighteen? Uh, maybe people will see Adam Fantilli for how good he actually is. Maybe <laughs> like. Like he's really, really good, everybody, and he's gonna be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, who else? Um, a player who has the most to gain from a strong under eighteen. Uh, Noah Osland, I think, is another one. I think. Favorite hockey player named this draft: Gleb Trikozov. His name is Gleb. Like that's unbelievable. It's wonderful. Um, Casper the Friendly Ghost. Marco Casper is also kind of a good one. Thoughts on Kent Anderson from Green Bay? I've only seen him very briefly and didn't really see a whole lot that, like he's big and rangy probably will get picked um you know he he's one of these really milk toast defenders that i feel like you could get in free agency or on waivers like any given day um not much of a play driver but not much of a hamper on in his own end just just kind of a guy and that's fine like again part of that giant soup of like if you want him fine okay like he's not objectively terrible but if he does work out, he's just going to be a guy, I feel like, uh, on an NHL team. Like an okay guy. Uh, what did you think of Julian Lutz? Uh, I like Julian Lutz. He's he's skilled. Uh, I'm trying to think. I saw him last night. Um, not in person, on the internet, uh, for on video. Uh, yeah, he's, he's skilled. Really quick thinker. Like he pre-scans and pre-processes play really well and gets pucks around really well. Um, you know, finds guys in, in front of the net really well. Let me just pull up his data. Cause also in the games I've done, he hasn't played that many minutes. Um, but, but I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing him in this under 18 tournament. Uh, if anyone's going to score for Germany, it's going to need to be him. Um, but yeah, I mean like his offensive threat around 20 is really good, but it's only 17 minutes of ice time. Um, and a lot of it being passes like he'll fetch pucks in the offensive zone along the boards or below the goal line and, and, and know exactly where to put it right away. Um, and did that a couple of times, but I don't have enough of a sample to know if that's a thing or if it's just luck or whatever. Um, but he's also an intense player. Like he's, 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 he's putting himself in, in position to get involved defensively quite a bit. Um, just an all around interesting player that, you know, he might be good value if he, if he, uh, he might be good value if he goes, you know, if he goes in the mid rounds, I could see him having a really good year last year, next year, because he missed so much time this year and he's behind the, behind the ball a little, but, uh, you know, he does look a step behind everybody, you know, the skill level's good, but not good enough. Um, uh, but you can kind of see the, the signs and flashes once in a while. So I, I, I like Julian Lutz. Thoughts on Zellweger, 78 points in 55 games in the WHL. Do you see him making the jump to the NHL next season? There's no reason to rush him. I don't think, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think another year in the in juniors would help. His team is unbelievably good as well. Um, again, similar to Stankoven, maybe you give him a cup of coffee. But if, you're, if the binary is either WHL or NHL, especially for undersized guys, I probably would send them back to junior to just keep keep getting more and more comfortable, more and more assertive and confident and build on that speed and all that stuff. And, you know, physically mature, lead a team and come to camp ready to hit the, hit the grind then. 
But a cup of coffee makes sense. A couple of games in the NHL, sure. Thoughts on Brant Clark's development? I have not paid too much attention to Brant Clark this year. Uh, let's take a look uh, at his uh, thingamajig here. His, uh, his, uh, in the scouchings patented, um, whatever you call it, individual team prospect tracker. So he's an LA King. Um, so Brant Clark, yeah, he's so he's had the best year of all their prospects. That's not surprising. Um, really, really strong involvement percentage of 35%, which for uh, a defenseman is crazy. All around, really good. You know, like strong involvement on even strength scoring, strong catalyst percentages at both ends. All around, really, really good year, right? Like that's kind of what you expected of him, especially offensively. But his defensive play also seems to be a little bit better, but probably because he plays so much with the puck. Um, so yeah, strong year. We'll see where it takes him. <laughs> uh, Mikey Milner, Bo Gelsma. Uh, I've got Milne higher. Oh, weird. Uh, I've got Milne higher, I think, right? Or do I? Oh no, I've got Bo Gelsma slightly higher. Um, I mean, I like Bo Gelsma. I mean, it's funny. Bo Gelsma could become a player like Mikey Milne, just like skilled, creative, high pace offense. Bo Gelsma is just a buzzsaw all over the ice, both ends of the ice. And I, I I just really like how he plays, right? Like he could be a real pain in the butt for opponents uh, in the NHL if he if he brings that quickness and intensity, um, even if he can't really score that much. Uh, what do you think of Snuggerud? Um, I see him high on some lists, but no, don't know much about him. So Snuggerud is one of these guys that's really strong on the puck. Like NH I can see NHL scouts liking him because he's strong on the puck. He's physical. He can shoot really well. Um, and if he's got the puck on his stick, he doesn't need to be fast. He's one of those guys. I don't think it I don't think it works as is in the NHL. Like if he goes 18th overall and it works out, great. It's a learning experience for me, but I wouldn't do it. Um but I mean, yeah, he's he's a guy who's sort of trademarked by his strength on the puck. You know, I mean, I'll pull up some data of him, but I've I've seen him a few times and tracked a few games, um, and and what I've seen is kind of up and down. Um, you know, he he's he's a strong, decent offensive transition guy, gets his chances from strong scoring position. You know, he's he's a good follow up offense guy. Um, Funnily enough, a uh, pass percentage significantly worse than Isaac Howard. Uh, also terrible shot differentials. Um, and I think one of these games was actually against a Division Three team because it was the only game he played in the stretch of time that I was looking at, which I usually don't do, but you got to play with what you play with. Um, and But in that game, he was a little bit better than, than what I expected. But, you know, uh, a, guy, a guy who I think... I don't know. He's tough to read, and uh, I don't know if if a team wants him well into the first round, then 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 that'd be my guest. But I, I I see maybe a bottom six guy there um, for a team. Thoughts on Ty Nelson? Oh God, how long do we have here? Uh, how much do you want to hear about Ty Nelson? Because uh, I like Ty Nelson, but I want him to be so much better. Um, I can't I can't tell you how many times. Why is that? What? Weird. That's my normal skin tone. I remove my hand and I look like I'm in a desert. It's weird. Anyway, um, 
Ty Nelson. Uh, yeah, so Ty Nelson, really, really interesting player who I think might be a victim of the team he's playing on, even though they're good. Like he's he's a he's got a bullet for a shot, but and I've seen moments of like really really good puck carrying, really good uh, offensive zone pass passing and 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 working the offensive zone really really well. But holy smokes, just there's not enough. He he's I think he's the leader in my data set in terms of not completing offensive transitions. Um, like he just he he fires passes around the ice and no one touches them. Um, and it happens so often. Like usually I'll excuse that stuff, but it happens so often that it's it's just blatantly apparent. Like over half of his offensive transitions are done without control. He misses on 42% of the passes I've tracked. Like, it's just not a good thing at all. Um, and I would like to see him carrying the puck a lot more, but he doesn't. Um, and I don't know if that's up to him or his coaches or what, um, but the kid can really shoot. Uh, and I feel like his leniency or his, his tendency to pass up the ice now and fire three-line passes as much as he can has caused a lot of the, the the problems with his offensive production. Um you know, you see flashes of a player that could be really really interesting there. Like a team could draft him in the second round and he could just take off. Like I could easily see that happening with him. Um but I also see a guy who has a lot of potential in the offensive zone to balance passing and shooting but tends to shoot a lot more than passing, right? Like it's really interesting. I don't know how many defensemen there are that are like this, but his shot assist rate is four per 60, which is very not good. That puts him 33rd amongst 46 defensemen. Not good. But his shot attempt creation percentage, which is a weighted average of uh, where, you know, how much the shots are, are he, is he responsible for. So whether he's taking them himself, where he's taking them from, and who he's, and if someone else on his line, he's passing the puck to and they shoot it. That's 40%. 38%, I should say. And that's eighth. So he's eighth in terms of putting pucks on, in, in involvement in putting pucks on net for his team when he's on the ice, 33rd in shot assists. And he's fourth when it comes to individually taking shots when he's on the ice. To me, that just means that he's not passing the puck in the offensive zone well enough, and he's just getting the puck and rifling it on net as soon as he can. And he's got a good shot, for sure. But picking his spots a little more and knowing when to distribute pucks and who to distribute them to is going to be something that he needs to work on because that's just blatantly obvious to me. Um, but I, I don't know. I like him. I've got faith. But yeah, it's it's bad that he is the number one player in offensive zone transitions per 60 at defense this year for me. 33rd in efficiency and 39th in completing passes anywhere on the ice, regardless of the location and 32nd allowing dangerous chances defensively. Like, it's just, there's promising moments, but you can absolutely see why teams are dumping him down into the second round or even later. Who knows where he's going to get drafted. Uh, bonsoir, Jeremy. Thoughts on Johan Loshing? He's had a great second half of the season. Yeah, he's fun. He's a, he's a little buzzsaw. Just a fun, high-paced skill guy that can attack the net. Had him on my watch list. I think I took him off, but he might end up back on there by the end of the year. I, I don't know. I got to go back and watch more of him, but love how he attacks the middle of the ice. Love how he attacks the net. Um, 
bit of a, you know, also kind of can just lob it on net from distance, but really, really aggressive skill guy, which I like. Sure. Uh, what later round project do you think the Jets will draft again? Uh, Lane Hudson. Johannesson? Johannesson, Kuzman, and Lane Hudson. Let's go. Let's get the Power Rangers going. <clears throat> uh, excuse me. Thoughts on Owen Pickering? Uh, again, I see a lot of positives and can't understand why he's not ranked in the first round usually. Um, I think he is ranked in the first round generally. Uh, Pickering, Pickering, Pickering. On average, he's 32 on my list. So he is kind of sitting in the first round. Um, but yeah, I mean, Pickering is a guy with huge potential. Huge potential. Like, he might not get there, but he's a really interesting skater for a guy his size. Wonderful skill for a guy his size. And, and just doesn't really know how to put it all together yet. You know, puck distribution is a skill... And, and he kind of struggles with it. Um, I got to go back and do more Owen Pickering games. But, you know, yeah, just not connecting on a ton of his passes. Um, but he does have moments that are just unbelievable uh, in terms of skill and, and pushing offense and driving up the ice and, 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 and just really, really interesting skill that, he's, that he brings to the table. Um, part of it, I think, also is that some line mates of his just can't take a pass. Um, but... I don't know, uh, that'll happen, and, and other guys are much better in terms of completing passes than he is. Um, so yeah, a little problematic. I find that he kind of goes off the boards and out a little bit too often, um, but in terms of the potential of his game, it's huge. So some people might not think that it's likely that he hits a ceiling. Other people would be really impressed with the potential and take him really high. Who knows what'll happen? Uh, thoughts on the PWHA's, uh, PWHPA's women's league announcement. It seems really good if they can pull it off and make it work, uh, with that minimum salary that is low, but you know, if you're really careful, you might be able to make it work. And if you have sort of endorsements from other where, wherevers, maybe there's something there. Um, we'll see how it goes. I'm all for it. Like whatever it takes. For women's hockey to get stability and responsibility and, you know, uh, organization and recognition, go for it. You know, say what you will about the disagreements and everything that are going on. I don't know. At the end of the day, they all have the same goal. Everybody has the same goals and everyone's trying to get there. They're just trying to do it different ways. I hope the PWHPA, you know, look, if it, if it means the end of the PHF after a season or two or something, I don't know then unfortunately that's what that means and the pwhpa can then move on and you know the 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 infrastructure seems to be a little bit better it just sucks because the phf has you know on paper at least made some kind of benefits even if they've had remarkable amounts of growing pains but every professional organization that has lasted for 100 years has had growing pains at some point uh, the NHL, some in some ways, is still having growing pains. <laughs> uh, if no one else has asked about Garrett Brown, what's the skinny on Garrett Brown? I went back on him after reading Mitch Brown's piece on him because I haven't, and I also haven't watched Garrett Brown in a while. He's got nice hands for a defenseman. He can move pucks pretty well, but I don't know. Again, part of that soup. 
he goes in the soup of, I don't know, later round, sure, guys. Um, I think he should get drafted. Probably not super, super high. But, you know, draft him for the hands and try to build the rest out. Uh, is there a Logan Couture-esque player in the draft? Uh, I mean, I honestly haven't seen enough of Logan Couture to know exactly what you're talking about. Um, but based on what I have seen of Logan Couture, like a big center that, like maybe a Connor Geeky, that's his like ceiling. Maybe like a good sort of plays the game well type player. I could see that. So I don't know. I don't see much else. So we'll stick with him. Uh, if you had to pick between these Habs prospects, Kidney or Wah, I take Kidney. Jackai or Struble, I take Struble. Uh, thoughts on the OHL coaches poll this year? I did not see it. Um, let me take it a look though. OHL coaches poll. Okay. Interesting. Most underrated player, Ryan Humphrey, Mitchell Russell, Casper Larson. I would agree. I really like Casper Larson. I wouldn't draft him, but I always enjoy watching him play for Mississauga. Christian Cairo, uh, yeah, I could see that as well. Um, I would draft him, uh, for sure. Um, most improved player, Del Bell Belouz, he was very good this year. Kyle Jackson, sure, he has improved quite a bit. Christian Cairo's on here, yep, yeah, that's also true. Uh, Nolan Burke, Matthew Maggio, yep, yeah, fair enough. Christian Cairo, certainly, yep. Yeah. Um, smartest player? Brant Clark, Shane Wright. Yeah, Shane Wright I would have up there. Yeah, Logan Morrison and Tucker Robertson. I mean, I've seen a lot of both of those guys because I want to make sure that I don't want to rank them. And yeah, I could see how they're smart. Um, but Shane Wright to me is number one for that. Uh, and Brant Clark is probably top three for me there too. Uh, Wyatt Johnston. Yeah, I could see that too. Evangelista, Karens. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to judge... Uh, especially because I haven't seen a ton of, especially Rory Kieran's. Um, but yeah, I could see Wyatt Johnston up there as well. Um, hardest worker, Liam Arnsby, Jordan Frasca, Declan McDonald, Ty Carche, Mike Patizian, Cameron Barber, ba Cameron Baber, Stappen Mahachik. I don't know anything about any of these guys, um, really. I mean, Liam Arnsby, I've seen a bit. He might work hard, but I don't, I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't draft him, but yeah, cool. Um, best playmaker. Interesting that Shane Wright got that. Um, I see where they're coming from. He's certainly gotten a lot better at that than scoring. Um, and yeah, he does seem to have a good sort of nose for that kind of thing, for sure. Why Johnston? Yeah, I see that too. Evangelista for sure too. Karens, yeah. Yeah, just a lot going on there. Um, most dangerous in the goal area. Yeah, that checks out. McTavish, Gustian, Hardy, Othman, Evangelista, Johnston. Yeah, that all checks out. No real need to 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 dig that one in. Yeah, yep. Uh, best skater, J.R. Avon. Interesting choice. Uh, Nathan Steos for sure. I I totally buy that. Same thing with Brandon Coe. Antonio Stranges. Most fascinating skater for sure. Yes. Uh, Robert Calisti as well is a pretty good skater as well. Wyatt Johnston, maybe not number one. I I I. But yes, I, I see that as well. Uh, best shot, McTavish, Hardy, Gustin, Tulio, sure. I mean, I would put Gustin number two there, but McTavish is hard to, to knock. 
Uh, Brennan Othman, yeah, he can really shoot as well. Will Cully, interesting. Colby Bar, uh, whatever. Hardest shot. Casper Larson, there's my boy. Uh, Martin Chromiak, that also checks out. Um, best stick handler. Daniel Guschin, that's my boy. That's my son. That's my son, Danny. Uh, yep, Ty Void, of course. Lucas Edmonds, Brant Clark, Wyatt Johnston. Fair enough. Lucas Edmonds is a curious one. I don't haven't seen that out of him, but okay. Uh, best on face-offs, Owen Beck. Gotta love face-offs. Uh, Rory Kieran's. Yeah, I mean, I've seen Owen Beck win a lot of face-offs, and he does it pretty clean. Not gonna lie. So, sure. Um, I don't know. I don't want to go through all of these and waste all our time. Um, but I have not read through this, to be honest. Best offensive defenseman. Ty Nelson's on there. That's interesting. But yes, Brand Clark and Nathan Stales probably, probably deserve that. Christian Cairo not beating Luca Hano is interesting, but okay. Um... Best puck handling goaltender. Best shootout shooter. Yeah, Daniel Gooschin beats Shane Wright. Hell yeah, he does. Anyway, fun. Always fun. Uh, if you had the first pick, would you trade back if you knew you could get Lambert and Gleb? <laughs> I'd be trading back a few times. Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd open the phone if I was if I had the first round. If, the, if I had the first pick, I'd, I'd open the phones and see who wanted what and offered what. I'd see what was out there for sure. Did I do Fabian Sell? No, I did not do Fabian Liesel. Um, Depends on what you want to know about him, but he had a great year this year. I'll just put his data up here that, that uh, comes from uh, Dave McPherson at Pick224 because it's hilarious. Oh, right. I can't do that on this spreadsheet. How could I forget? We'll just go through it real quick then. Uh, Dean, uh, he's part of the Bruins. Yeah, so uh, Fabian Liesel, an NHL East score of 24, puts him number one amongst Boston prospects. A 52% involvement percentage is insane, but I think that number should be lower. Um, let me... Uh, darn. Okay, I'm going to need to fix this because that's not accurate. Uh, I'll do it for next week. But an even strength goals four percentage of 58 is not great, but it's 23.7 above what it is without him on the ice. Um, so that's pretty unbelievable. So is catalyst percentage. So if you're unfamiliar, catalyst percentages are basically the percentage increase or decrease in even strength goal scoring when the player's on the ice versus off of it. And 150, so 153% offensively means for every goal that Vancouver scores at even strength with without Fabian Liesel on the ice, they're scoring, uh, I believe, one and a half. No, two and a half. Uh, two and a half goals because it's a 153% increase. So it doubles for the 100% increase and then another 50% for 150%. Um, so that's extraordinarily difficult to achieve. Um, his defensive catalyst percentage is basically zero, so he's not a net negative defensively. So when he's on the ice, his team's goal differential is like almost doubled, which is absurd. Uh, so yeah, he's doing very well, even if he does have flaws. Again, going back to the Howard thing. He might be flawed, sure, but the results are just unbelievable still. Ah, my watch just told me that the Toronto Maple Leafs are getting pounded, so get ready for that playoff run there, guys. Uh, anyway, uh, would Prime Monaghan be a fair expectation for Shane Wright? Yeah, I could see that. I could, I, a guy like Monaghan or, or, or something like that. Elias Lindholm, if you're a Calgary Flames fan, something like something up those up that alley. But I don't know, maybe not Monaghan. Yeah, Monaghan. Let's go Monaghan, sure. I, I Whatever. 
Uh, when you saw tape of the NTDP team, who stood out to you in those games for you? Oh my god. Uh, I'm making videos on a bunch of them. I mean, like, half the team is good. Uh, Devin Kaplan, Isaac Howard, uh, Logan Cooley, Tyler Duke, Seamus Casey, Lane Hudson. Like, a lot of them. They're, they're, they're a good team. Uh, who do you think would be a solid second-round steal for forwards this year? Any Logan Stankovins? See... If you had told me that Logan Stankoven was going to be a second-round draft pick and, like, a late second-round pick, I would have thought you were nuts. It's hard to tell you who the steals in the second round are going to be when we haven't even gotten to pick one yet, let alone 32. Um, I mean, I, I could see Gleb Trikazov going in the fourth round and being a gigantic steal in 10 years. I, I don't know. Um, why is Shane Wright getting the benefit of the doubt and Cooley doesn't get enough credit? Because Shane Wright is Canadian. He's an exceptional player. People have been watching him for years. Uh... And Logan Cooley is fun. I don't know. That's my that's my dismissive but actual take. Like that's that probably has a lot to do with it. Um, like the Canadian media carries a gigantic stick in hockey, and they are going to cover a guy like Shane Wright for every minute they cover Logan Cooley. They'll cover a million minutes of Shane Wright, um, good or you know, no matter what, you know. Um, uh, but again, I don't want to sound like Shane Wright's bad, um, but. Shane Wright's just been on the spotlight for years. Um, the best three forwards, defensemen, two defensemen and a goalie from this class versus the best in 2021, and why is 2021 better? Um, well, I mean, if I had to craft a top line, like if, I mean, I mean, I'll, I mean, I'll put Juracek and Nemich on a defense pair together. I mean, I feel like Juracek and Casey would be a lot of fun together. So we'll go Juracek and Casey. Tyler Brennan and Nett, sure. I mean, last year you have Jesper Wallstead and Nett, so that automatically makes you a better group. Um, Matty Beniers I like more than Shane Wright, but Shane Wright's not bad. You know, maybe you put Cooley on the wing. Slavkovsky on there too. Wright, Cooley, Slavkovsky with Juracek Casey and Tyler Brennan and Nett or George or uh, Sergei Ivanov. Yeah, 2021 has Wallstead. It's got um, Owen Power on defense. It's got Luke Hughes on defense. There's just, there's just, it's, yeah, 2021 just, it's a step up, I think, almost across the board. Um, but I haven't really thought about that question that much, to be honest. I see Daniel Zhu, Danny Zhilkin creeping up draft boards. What do you think of him? What do I think of Danny Zhilkin? I have not actually seen him in a long time. Um, and the last time I did see him, I left going, I think I'm done with this guy for a while. Started out like unbelievable in my data. And some of it is really, 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 really good. But I'm not sold. Uh, I, I don't really like the pace of his game, especially getting going. Um, his skill level is good, but not quite like amazing enough to make up for the pace concerns, I don't think. He's he's a really interesting playmaker in the offensive zone, though. Like, he might be a guy that if he's there in the mid-late second round and somehow teams have just missed him, then you just draft him and see what happens. Like, if he's the third guy you draft or something, then that's a win. Um, He's just kind of slowly fallen down my board as other guys kind of have, have impressed me a little bit. But he's not bad. Like, I like how he plays in a rush offense situation. He can score. He gets He's got a good nose for scoring. An equally good nose for playmaking around the offensive zone quite a bit. Um, you know, not very active defensively, but but pretty reliable offensively overall. 
Uh, East Coast or West Coast? East Coast, 100%. I mean, at least, I mean, I'm Canadian, so I love the East Coast in Canada. Like, Nova Scotia is unbelievable. Um, Newfoundland is unbelievable. Um, never been to Labrador, always wanted to go. Quebec, I, I, you know, say what you will about Quebec, uh, Anglophones, but, uh, once you get up into the Gaspé and up into Quebec City and everything, like, some of the scenery and stuff is up, unbelievable up there. The West Coast, I like the West Coast of Canada, like, I've been to BC a few times, never been to the interior, always wanted to, but never been. And I went up the coast a little bit, uh, a couple of times in my life, like, I've been in Squamish, uh, went on a fishing trip, which I don't usually do. I'm not a fisherman, but I went fishing once with my pops, uh, up in the middle of, uh, up in the middle of the coast, like not middle, but like halfway up the province. I don't know if there's a word for that, uh, in a little inlet, um, which was a lot of fun, beautiful scenery, beautiful, everything, lots to do on the West coast, but I'm a pretty quiet guy. I know it doesn't, I have a YouTube channel and I'm telling you I'm a pretty quiet guy, but I'm pretty quiet, introverted. I like sort of sitting on a porch and, you know, you know, drinking milk and watching the tide come in and out. And that's really easy to do on the East coast for sure. And it's quieter and you know, it's, it's nice. I like it. East coast in the States though. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the interior of the States. Like I, I, I funnily enough, I liked Iowa when I was there quite a bit. I, th I thought it was nice and folksy, but, and good, like folksy and good. I liked Nebraska. Montana's amazing. Um, I've been to Missoula. I was in Billings. Um, you know, but, but, uh, Montana's just really cool. I went up to Glacier National Park. Um, you know, I, I like, uh, Utah a lot as well. Beautiful state. Colorado's unbelievable. Um, I never been out to the West coast though, to be honest in the States. Um, I'd been all around the East coast and eh, I find New York overwhelming. I like Chicago better. Uh, Boston is amazing. I went to Boston a month before the pandemic and it was amazing. Um, want to go back when it's not minus 30, but, uh, definitely. Uh, but in Canada, I'm an East coast boy. Uh, thoughts on Antonin Vero, a really good case of a guy who's small and I don't think good enough to make it work. Uh, I just don't all around. I just have watched Antonin Vero and go, I can see how you scored so much in junior, like junior, junior. And you might score points in junior, but I do not think that there's much of an NHL player there. Who do you think uh, will be good mid-first rounders among this year's defenders? Kevin Korczynski for sure. Uh, Pavel Mintyukov will probably be gone by then. Owen Pickering could be one. Kali Odilius. Sam Renzel is another one. Dev Denton Matejchuk. It all depends on what you're looking for, but there's quite a few. Even Leon Bixell. I wouldn't draft him mid-first round, but... I could see a team really liking him, and same thing with Matthias Hovlid, but a different kind of team really liking him. But definitely Korczynski is the one that sticks out. Seamus Casey as well, probably mid-first round will be there. Definitely, if you want to swing big, go for Seamus Casey. Um, do you uh do you like the hard cap in the NHL, or should you see uh do do you think okay do you like the hard cap in the NHL, or do you think they should change it to a soft cap? I'll come back to that question and end the stream with it because it's kind of interesting. Um, did you see Owen Powers' first NHL goal today? No, I did not, but good for him. Uh, who do you think uh, Tristan Luno is underrated? Well, I don't know. I think he's kind of overrated. People are putting him in the first round and he's in my third. Like, Luno's going to eat minutes in the NHL. NHL coaches are going to play him. He's going to play whether you like it or not. I just don't think he's going to move the needle much. Like, he's going to be a guy. 
Just not my type of guy in the first round. Who do you who do you think could fall to the 15-20 spot that could be a huge steal? Brad Lambert, 100%. Adam Sikora, speak. One of the better defensive forwards in the draft. Um, hard worker, uh, great sense of body positioning, um, skilled. You know, there's a lot to like. Gets to the net, but does it less and less the more I watch him, which is kind of weird. Um, but yeah, uh, I got one more game with Sakura, and I've been a fan ever since I first saw him. Uh, also, Philip Beestead, uh, a guy that I want to see more out of. Uh, he's big and skilled, but you don't see it very often, and I just kind of want to just kind of want to see him uh, push the game a little bit more. I don't know. He's been a tough read. Um, I see another question about Jordan Dumay, which I have answered at least three times tonight already, so we'll skip that, unfortunately. Um, well, in short, I just don't think Dumay projects to an NHL player. He's not he's he's not very quick, but he's quick enough to make it work in the queue. Not very skilled, skilled enough to make it work in the queue. Um, he's got unbelievable line mates, and yes, he's leading his team in scoring, but I don't, I just don't, I don't see it. Uh, do you think Adam Fantilli would go first overall if he was eligible for 2022? Absolutely. 100%. At least to me. Uh, okay. Uh, who do you think, uh, okay. Who do you think can, f oh no. Wow. That's not the question that I saved for the end. Um, oh boy. There's more and more questions. Uh, Lambert seemed dominant at the U20. So is there a specific reason his production is down in the Liga? Oh, I have lots to say about that and I'm saving it for the video. So you just wait. It's coming at some point, probably closer to the draft, but it's coming. Don't worry. Um, I have many, many thoughts and lots of video. Um, okay. So the last question, do you think the hard, do you like the hard cap in the NHL or do you think they should change it to a soft cap? So there's two things here. I think about this a lot because I sometimes listen to the Steve Dangle podcast and they won't shut the hell up about it. Um, on the one hand, it would, in an ideal world, I certainly would like a soft cap in an ideal world. But this is not basketball and this is not football. The NHL has a hard time selling themselves and that is the owner's problem. They they have a hard time with like the reason there is a cap in the first place is because the teams at the top were spending ungodly amounts of money on hockey players. Like more money per year than what Connor McDavid is making on some guy. Like I think Joe Sackick made like $16 million in a year. It's just absurd. Like they were blowing so much money on hockey players before the hard cap. And the teams at the bottom literally could not compete. It was impossible unless they had good young team, good young groups. And then they would just leave and go to the teams that had all the money. Toronto did it. Detroit did it. Colorado did it. And so they put the cap in for a reason. I think, however, some kind of soft cap is necessary, but I also don't trust NHL general managers to keep things under control. Like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about NHL. T like, again, when these things come up, like what is the problem you're trying to solve, right? What is the issue right now? Right? Is it is it that like are people mad because NHL teams just find ways to get around the salary cap? Well, if they change it to a soft cap with the luxury tax, you don't think they're gonna find ways to like push the envelope and maximize the benefits under that system either, where the system is more lenient towards teams that already have a lot of resources. 
which right now benefits them now. So it would benefit it would benefit the be- it, the current system benefits the best teams now. And if they change it to something that benefits them more, then that's a whole other then that then then that's a whole different problem. And there are a lot of teams in the National Hockey League that would not exist if they didn't get an artificial leg up in some way. It's unfortunate. And I mean, look, maybe the argument is that the NHL is too big and in too many markets where they're trying to make it work and it's really struggling. I think hockey is a sport has serious infrastructure issues with how the league is operated. I mean, that's blatantly obvious. You can tell. It it has problems selling itself to people, which is bananas to me, considering it's literally people with knives on their feet running around on ice, shooting a rubber puck at 100 miles an hour around. Like, how do you not sell that to anyone on the face of the planet? Like, how is Connor McDavid not one of the biggest sports stars in the universe and highlight reels of him are playing 24-7 on billboards in Times Square? Like, how is that not a thing, Right? Like, sell your game to people for what it is. And they don't. They, they can't. It just seems to continuously spinning, be spinning its wheels in the mud, and other leagues are often in, in the stratosphere. So, look, it's, it's trade-offs. All of this is going to be trade-offs. If you remove the hard cap, it's going to harm some people, and it's going to help others. The people it's going to help are the ones that already have the resources and are the ones that people are mad at right now. So like when, when these big sweeping changes are brought up, like you have to think of the way I think about it is what's the problem. What is the actual problem? And what are you trying to fix? Is the problem that Tampa keeps sitting Nikita Kucherov? Well, the problem that doesn't mean the whole system needs to be overhauled. If anything, that means that there should be more power from the league to ensure that teams are actually sitting injured players. Not not the whole system is broken, but the players won't agree to that because then they're like, well, you're invading my medical privacy. It's like, well, one something's got to give, right? Because otherwise we're going to need to make LTIR more restrictive and make injuries more of a problem uh, or more, more of a more less, less lenient for the teams that deal with injuries, which could also harm other teams. You know, I think you could make it illegal to trade a player who is on LTIR, or you could make it illegal. You could make it so that if a player on LTIR is traded, their cap hit counts no matter what. You could do that. Because otherwise, I mean, I don't know. I just feel like a soft cap is kind of the middle ground between where we were in the 90s and 2000s, where teams teams at the bottom really struggled to maintain their players on their roster and teams at the top just sucked up talent constantly, uh, and the and the opposite, which is just a hard cap where the best teams find ways to maximize the amount they spend under that cap, and it it does make things more more equal, so to speak, but it doesn't always. But there's always no in any any system of any kind, whether it's a business, an organization, anything. There's gonna be uh there's gonna there's gonna be weird stuff that pushes the envelope and makes some people mad. It's like the draft lottery. No matter how many times you overhaul it, no matter how many times you try it, someone's gonna lose. Someone loses, and people are gonna be upset because they lost. And they're gonna go, oh, it's stupid. This lottery's stupid. If you come in last, you should get the first overall pick. 
I don't know. I don't know. I'm also not paid enough to know what the NHL should do with their billions and billions and billions of dollars. But what I do know is that the players should be pretty upset with the people that employ them and the owners that employ the people who employ them because of how reckless they've been with money to the point where they're being penalized because the owners can't make enough money to make 50-50 hockey-related revenue work out and general managers are spending too much money on contracts so that it eats into the bottom line and causes that to be more imbalanced. Like, that that is something they should also be upset about rather than talking about the cap in general and all these problems. Like, there's structural issues in, in the NHL and in hockey that are not fixable by changing the structure of the league. It's how they're thought about, how they how how owners are treating their business. Like, that's just how the agreement is, right? Like, it's not up to the players to to make the the actual business all of the money it's needed to make that balance 50-50. The owners have to sell the tickets. It's not the players. The players go out and play well enough to sell tickets, sure. But the but the the, the it they can't be the ones expected to sell all the tickets and if they are they're being paid a ton and it's it's it, it, the general managers are the ones who offered them these contracts that are causing all these issues. So it's a bit of a chicken in the egg. I don't really know. And I think no matter what, there's going to be people who are upset. Like all the Florida Panthers fans under a luxury tax system, once guys like Alex Barkov got a $20 million offer from the Toronto Maple Leafs, like that's going to be, they're going to be mad. Like think about that happening. Under a luxury tax system, Alex Barkov is a free agent after this season. He makes like nothing relative to what he's worth, right? A team could come in, like Connor McDavid could be paid $25 million a year this year. You know, and, and, and Alex Barkov could be paid 18 starting next year by any team, regardless of the, like the cap hit that they're, that they're at like that. And, and all that would happen is that a team that's worth billions of dollars would have to earmark a percentage to, to send off and give to poorer teams. Like, thanks for giving us your best player. Uh, here's a check for like a third of what his yearly salary is going to be while we're winning Stanley cups. It benefits a certain group of teams and it sucks for a bunch of other teams. Maybe Alex Barkov doesn't leave Florida because it's Florida, but it's also Florida. Um, anyway, uh, Nazer or Cooley? I go Cooley. Easy. Um, <clears throat> thoughts on Baneers, uh, and what would you suggest Bedard looks like in terms of NHL comparisons? Well, I kind of went over that earlier. Kind of like a weird hybrid between McDavid and, and Matthews. A goal scorer kind of like Matthews, but like got the intensity and pace of a guy like McDavid. Maybe not as fast, but yeah. And I love Matty Beneers. He was first on my list last year, and I think a lot of people are seeing why. I love him. He's he's wonderful. Thoughts on Alaska? Love it. I went there once. It's beautiful. I highly recommend it if you can. Uh, it's incredible. Um, landscapes that you kind of go, holy crap, I didn't know places like this existed. Like I was up in the Yukon border. And it's bananas. Um, always been, and I've been meaning to go back. Uh, that was one of the last things I did before I went on, uh, before I went to uh, pandemic land. But uh, once things are open again, Alaska's on my list, on my bucket list to go back. Anyway, that's going to be it for tonight. I am running out of steam extremely quickly. My throat is sore. Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, this was lovely. We'll catch you next week. Same time, same place, same everything. Um, stay safe. Um, do the thing, uh, you know, just, just, just keep, just keep living. Um, 
And uh, yeah, ap apologies for the tech problems earlier. There will be at least one more scouting report public by the time this stream comes out next week. Um, and if not, there will be two. And uh, there's two more in production this weekend, so stay tuned for those. Uh, if you don't already, you should subscribe to uh, McKean's Hockey and read the reports that I put up there, along with Sam McGilligan and Greg Revac. There's one coming this week, I believe, as long as somebody does their job. Uh, Blue Line Hockey IQ program uh, as well. I'm part of that, so you can get 10% off with the blue with the code uh, with the code Scouting. Um, and yeah, so that's it. We'll see you next week. I see I see questions coming in now. Save them for next week. Come back and uh, I'll fire them off because I do not have the energy to do so right now. And uh, it's also getting late. So thank you very much for joining me and we will see you next week. Okay. Au revoir.